You're listening to the Heights Church podcast. To learn more about the Heights Church, including our gathering times at Hornsby Heights, Sydney, Australia, visit us online at theheights.au. Or better still, join us live at Hornsby Heights. Today's talk comes from Tony Edwards. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 27. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Thanks. Didn't Lanthe read the Bible really great this morning? Isn't that great? It's good to see the kids up here uh, reading and reading so well and enjoying uh, being here in church. Over the past uh, few weeks, we've been looking at wisdom in the Bible. And uh, last week, Mark looked at what the Bible says about lying. And uh, this morning, I want to explore what God's Word says about anger and anger management. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, we just want to sit under your Word. We want to hear what you have to say. And you have words of wisdom. You have the words which speak to each one of us, that speak to our heart, and that can resolve issues that we might have on anger. So we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you've probably um, seen it on Facebook, or Twitter, or any other similar blogs or websites. Someone posts what, they, what seems to be an innocent post or a comment and then a few replies of agreement, followed by a series of comments from those who disagree, ranging from mild disagreement to strong disagreement and sometimes to even outright abuse, and all usually anonymously. And why is that the case? I saw an article on a posting on the Nextdoor app. Now, the Nextdoor app is is a social media app app that uh, allows residents of a neighbourhood to connect with each other, it says, from everything from lost pet notices to recommendations for doctors and hairstylists. It's supposed to be a social media site that is helpful to you and your neighbours, bringing the neighbourhood together, it says. 
You might have even seen other similar local sites like you grew up in Hornsby if you blah, blah, blah. The posting on the Nextdoor app read, can someone explain to me the appeal of Pizzeria X? It's often praised as, in, as a local restaurant. It was good, but it wasn't amazing. What am I missing? Well, first three responses came back were, were quite benign. We were also unimpressed. Try here instead, one said. Pizzeria Y is my favourite. No, Pizzeria Z is better. But the fourth response came in hot. What would have been truly amazing is if you would have taken the money and threw, you threw away at Pizzeria X and gave it to someone who can't afford food for their children or pets. And another, why do you need to understand someone else's taste? Can you hate Brussels sprouts and not need to know why someone else likes them? Can you love coriander and not need to know why someone else hates it? Learn to know what you like and stop worrying about what other people like, the post said. And after that, a flood of responses poured in. Angry responses. Posts about judgment, posts about superior attitudes, posts about charitable donations, about you self-proclaimed experts. The thread continued for a very long time with people heatedly arguing backward and forward. You've probably seen that. I even saw one uh, from the minister at Mudgee Baptist Church posting things about Easter and some of the responses that came back were quite shocking. So what was going on? It wasn't a discussion about politics or the pandemic or religion or any other hot-button topic that dominates the news and social media. This was a discussion about pizza. Are people really so passionate about the combination of dough and sauce and cheese and toppings? Were they collectively just having a bad night? Or was there something else going on? Why are people so angry, the article said. Well, the answer is complex, but stems from people's life stresses. Their worries about life, the pandemic, their economic situation, their employment, their family life, money worries, war, division, division between nations. Everywhere we look, there seems to be division and divisiveness. We're living in a stressful, uncertain world with conflict and turmoil swirling around everywhere, in politics, in health, in social and cultural issues. And what's scary about our Western culture right now is we're kind of getting addicted to divisiveness, the article said. It's becoming a part of our identity. We react with aggression when things don't go our way. Even the slightest thing can set some people off. There is more road rage happening these days when someone does something on the road that we don't like. And we see it regularly on the nightly news, a couple, going, a couple of drivers going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And someone has taken, captured it on their iPhone and uploaded it for all to see. Over the past five years in New South Wales, there's been a... 2.6% increase in assaults and domestic violence. It might not seem like much, but that equates to 
31,775 reported cases of domestic violence last year and a similar number of assaults. That's over 90 cases every day and that's only the reported ones. As many of you know, my son is a uh, police officer in Mudgee and that's the second quietest police command in New South Wales. The quietest is Castle Hill for information. But even in Mudgee, domestic violence and assaults on a weekend is the greatest call out to police that happens. We live in an angry society and it seems it only takes a simple issue to ignite the fuse. As Christians, how should we respond when we get angry? For yes, we will all get angry too. And how does the Bible help us to understand anger and how to deal with it? Well, the first thing that we should understand, and I think that Kermit found out as well, is anger is an emotion. Like all emotions, we often have little control over when it comes. If you watch the game tonight, I'm sure that there'll be some supporters, maybe even you, of both teams who will be angry at a decision of the referee, just showing their emotional involvement. Or you might tear up a little bit over a sad movie, another emotion. I've been known to tear up over some old hymns. Yeah, I know, the big wuss. So you might be thinking about getting angry. As a Christian, I shouldn't feel like that. But the reality is that we do get angry. We all get angry. Everyone feels anger. Being angry is a sign that shows us that something has upset us. It's a very human response. And even Jesus got angry. But the Bible says in Proverbs verse 4. It says, be angry but do not sin, which the Apostle Paul repeats from the the Bible passage that we read this morning, or Lanthe read for us in Ephesians 4.26. It says, in your anger do not sin, but do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Psychologists tell us that anger as an emotion if not provoked further, lasts for only 90 seconds. So when that driver cuts you off and you get angry, and you probably will, if you hold back on an angry angry response, like yelling at them or tailgating them, or get worse, getting to physical abuse, just wait. Just wait for about 90 seconds and that emotion is most likely to dissipate. Your reaction that way will not cause you to sin. You will not have allowed the devil to provoke you to further actions that could end up being harmful to you or to others. Which is probably why Proverbs chapter 4 continues with, be angry but do not sin. Then it says, ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Yes, I got angry and I did not react. I later thought about the reasons why I got angry. That guy cut me off and certainly did the wrong thing. I had good reason to get angry, but thank, thankfully there wasn't an, he didn't cause an accident. 
And you've probably heard the old adage, if you sleep on it, things will look different in the morning. Well, that's straight from the Proverbs. Words of wisdom from one of the books of wisdom. But what if I had responded angrily? Didn't I have every right to do that? The person really upset or they annoyed me or provoked me or they riled me? Or they were angry with me for no good reason and I wasn't going to let them get away with it? So often we want to justify our angry responses in terms of our own self-righteous anger. How dare they do that or say that to me? The Bible says that the wise person recognises that we always have a choice in how we deal with our anger. And then it says that our anger can and does affect our relationship with others. So anger that is not dealt with in a healthy way can have an unhealthy outcome and it can even destroy our relationships. You see, unaddressed anger abuses people. It creates fear and hurt and rejection and it makes retaliation all the more likely. It can eat away at us until it seems like it can consume us. Sometimes what starts as a minor slight can trigger a lifetime of hurt. And very often it is the ones we love most in our families that we hurt the most. You may have seen it at family gatherings at Christmas. Uncle Joe doesn't talk to Aunt Mary because of some slight or disagreement that from years ago. Most people don't know why or the reason for that, but the hurt is there and neither wants to be reconciled. It's why they only see each other at Christmas. Selfishness and pride can take control, leading us on a downward spiral. That's giving the devil a foothold, something that the Bible warns against us doing. It's a foothold to break relationship. It's a foothold that brings bitterness and into our lives to a point where bitterness and anger can affect us and control our actions towards other people. That's not the way God wants us to live our lives. A Christian person should be the one who values relationships with others and will be wanting to prevent a breakdown in relationship when it does happen or will be wanting to restore that relationship, being the peacemaker that Jesus calls us to be. The Bible has much to say on this book of Proverbs and the New Testament are full of words of wisdom. Proverbs 15.1 is on the screen above us. It says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Very self-evident, isn't it? Proverbs 15.18 A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quietens contention. Thank goodness that Psalm 86.15 says of God, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The book of Ecclesiastes, written by Solomon, Ecclesiastes 7-9, to says, be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Did we have that one, Tom? That's all right. Doesn't matter. 
I'll read it again. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9 says, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges, stays in the heart of fools. Anger that stays in our heart and, <clears throat> and our heads leads to bitterness. The Bible says that it's not a wise course of act for your life. It's better to be like God and to be slow to anger and abounding in love to others. Very often it is our own immediate family that upsets us and makes us angry. Our kids or our spouse very quickly learn how to push our buttons, don't they? Or us them. We can all say things in the heat of the moment that make us or each other angry and that hopefully later we regret. So it's better to be the peacemaker. It's better to be the one who swallows their pride and seeks to restore relationship. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So fathers and mothers, do not deliberately set out to anger your children, but rather teach them how to live according to the scriptures as you yourself have learned. Remember, mum and dad, you are their yardstick on how to behave in life. Those little eyes are watching you all the time. And if we respond rightly to anger, we are able to maintain and even enhance our relationships. People see you taking the initiative to be the peacemaker and to restore a relationship. So we have a choice. If we choose not to deal with our anger to maintain relationships with others, then Satan is able to work with that to create in us jealousy, bitterness, hurt and gossip not only affecting our relationship with that person, but it affects our relationship with God as well, doesn't it? Remember, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 how Christians should now live. He said, you were taught with regards to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. So it's the attitude of your mind, your new self and to put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He goes on to say, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of the one body. In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So we are called to put off our unhealthy expressions of anger whether flaring up with rage or holding it in and becoming bitter. We are called to be the new people who are loved and complete in Christ. Albeit that we are all works in progress, we are called to reflect how God treats us in our dealings with other people. C.S. Lewis talks about forgiveness this way. He said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Forgiveness recognises that there is no offence that another person could possibly do to us that would go anywhere near equaling our guilt before God. And yet God has forgiven us our sin and shown us mercy. Jesus did that when he died for us, didn't he? And as his children, we are obliged to forgive and show mercy to others, 
even when we are hurt by them. I came across a, uh, a short video on uh, Right Now Media, which we're going to have a look at now. It's by Max Licardo. If you ever wondered what, who, what Max Licardo looked like, you're just about to find out. There's a fire burning in your heart. It's the fire of anger. It's hot. The fire is growing. And you've got to decide what to do with it. You've got a decision. Do you let your hurts heal? Or do you let your hurts become hates? Resentment is when you let your hurt become hate. Resentment is when you choose not to release your hurt, but to let your hurt contain and destroy you. Eventually, what is eating you starts to eat you up, and the resentment becomes revenge, a raging fire that consumes the arsonist. Bitterness is that trap that snares the hunter. And mercy, well, mercy is the choice that can set them free, the choice that can set you free. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful because they will be shown mercy. There's something about giving mercy to others that allows you to have a courtside seat at God's mercy for you. When you give grace, really you witness grace. You understand how God forgave you. And what is a moment of hurt really becomes a holy moment because you begin to understand what God did to forgive you. Now I realize forgiving other people is not easy. So some practical steps might be helpful. First of all, you can change your focus. Change your focus. Don't focus so much on this particular pain. The more you focus on that pain, on that hurt, the smaller your world is going to become. And the next thing you know, you're gonna look up and your whole life is defined by that one moment of pain. Don't let that happen. Open your focus. Let God become the focus of your life. Look more at His goodness to you rather than the pain that people have brought into your life. Something else you can do. You can discover why a person behaves the way they do. This person who hurt you, there's a reason behind their hurts. I have a good friend who never really had a good relationship uh, with her mother. And uh, she told me once that her understanding of her mother changed when she realized the difficulty of her mother's childhood, that her mother had grown up in a very abusive, oppressive home. It didn't forgive the mistreatment of the mother to the daughter, but the daughter had a better understanding of her mother and found it easier to forgive her mother when she saw what had happened to her mother. Why don't you do this? There's something behind the pain that's come into your life. And once you begin to see what caused that pain, you will then be in a position to do this third step, and that is to pray for the person. It's really hard to be angry at somebody when you're praying for them. It really is. In fact, when you take your enemies before your heavenly Father in prayer, you will find yourself standing on the side of your heavenly Father wanting the best for your enemies. Not overnight. It's going to take time, especially if the pain is deep. But you don't want to let this pain consume you. Go ahead. Turn the fire down. Put it out now. 
before the fire, well, before the fire burns you up. What did you think? I thought it was, uh, was helpful, so I included it in our, our talk this morning. And I especially liked his suggestion to pray for the other person who may have, you might have an issue with. He said, you can't stay angry when you are praying for someone. Now, I'm thinking we're praying for restoration with that person, and we're not asking, taking a holier-than-thou attitude, asking God to deal harshly with them. I don't think that's what he was suggesting. And certainly isn't in keeping with Matthew 5.24 where we are told if someone has something against you to go and be reconciled with that person, to sort it out. It's calling on you and me to show mercy and forgiveness first, not waiting to see if the other person will make the first move, to be the peacemaker and to reflect God's love and God's mercy. Well, the Bible has more to say on dealing with other people's angers. There are some people who just always seem to be angry, don't they? Might be that angry boss, or sometimes it's a tired and angry dad or mum coming home after a hard day at the office. Maybe it was the traffic on the way home. I'm sure we all have our own examples. I worked in the construction industry for 40 years, and man, there were some angry people there. People dealing with deadlines and people letting you down. Well, the best way for, for a wise person will be to respond with quiet control. Remember Proverbs 15, verse 1? A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So we should maintain our self-control. Don't become defensive. Don't feel like you own their issue. Remember that another person's anger is their issue. Even if they are angry with us, they are angry because of what's going on inside of them. While they may curse and blame, it's still their problem, not yours. To think that way helps us to listen and not become over-defensive. Proverbs 29.22 says, A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. And Proverbs, or actually I like Proverbs 30, verse 33, but as churning cream produces butter and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. And it is hard when you're dealing with an angry person. No one likes confrontation. And if we become defensive or we want to fight fire with fire, well, it doesn't resolve the issue, does it? And it usually only exacerbates our problem. James in chapter 1, verse 19, tell, tells us, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So the best thing that we can do for the angry person is to acknowledge their anger and to listen to them. Sometimes the other person just needs to vent against the world and they want someone to listen to them. You remember Max's example of his friend who better understood her mother's anger and abusiveness when she understood what her mother had been through as a child. But it's also good to remember that most of us aren't trained counsellors. And sometimes after listening to someone, it might be helpful 
although perhaps at a later date, to suggest that they do seek counselling for their anger. And sometimes anger is born out of love. Imagine the scene of a, a young child running out onto a road, oblivious to the traffic. Mum grabs the child and in her concern and anger says, don't you ever do that again. And then in her love and concern, hugs the child dearly and explained why she got angry. Mum's anger at the child's imminent danger is also an expression of her love. Well, that's what God is like as our loving Heavenly Father. But in his love, he also gets angry. His is a righteous anger, an anger against injustice, oppression and sin. Isaiah 10, 1-3 says, Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees, to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. God's anger against our sin and rebellion should have meant that we were banished and exiled from God's sight. But in his mercy and grace and compassion, he provided the way of salvation by paying the penalty that our sins deserved, himself. God's anger or his wrath against sin was placed on Jesus and we celebrated that this morning, didn't we? That on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty, the debt that our guilt and sin requires. In God's great love, his anger has been satisfied. In his great mercy, we have been justified. So now when we acknowledge our sinfulness and turn and follow Jesus, we find forgiveness and God's love and peace. And I think it's good for the Christian to reflect on that, that while we were still sinners, the Bible says enemies of God, Christ died for us. God forgave us everything in Christ and has made us into a new creation that we too should show love and mercy to others. For well, we all need wisdom to deal with anger, don't we? A wise person will still get angry, angry about the right things, the things that gets God angry, injustice, oppression, depriving the poor of their rights. And if we get angry about other things, about the wrong things, then we need to be able to control our anger. Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. We all need that sort of wisdom, don't we? The wisdom that comes from God the Father through his word. A wise person will understand and always reflect on what the scripture says and apply it to their hearts and their life. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 reminds us that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Self-control is one of the fruits of the, the Spirit that God gives to us. Against such things there is no law. So Christian maturity, therefore, equates to godly, godly control of our anger. So it does us well to realise that whilst anger is emotion, love is also an emotion. But love is not just an emotion. It is an action as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, know, we thank you that you know us intimately. You know our hearts, you know our lives, 
you know what we're going to say even before we say it. Father, we thank you that Jesus died for us, that he has satisfied your wrath and your anger against sin. And Lord, we just ask that we too might be self-controlled, that we might, take, we might listen to the scriptures, that we might understand them and apply them to our heart and our heads when dealing with our anger or with other people's anger. Lord, help us to show your mercy and love and kindness to those that we come in contact with. Help others to see that it, uh, Christ makes a difference in our life and can make a difference in their life too. We ask that in his name. Amen. Amen.